0: The great uh, Kovner of Rabbi Tzachalchanan Specter was once asked why he gets a high salary as a rabbi. The rabbis um, of the small shtetls in Eastern Europe would actually make a very lousy salary. But the ones who were the rabbis of the big cities, like Kovna, Kovna was one of the largest and prestigious and most famous cities, in Eastern Europe, one of the major cities of Lithuania, of Lita. And uh, he got a very comfortable salary, like the Rabbanim of the large cities. Someone asked him, why does he deserve such a large salary? And he said that in the summer months, everyone gets to take their jackets and their coats off and relax. And uh, it's sunny, it's hot, it's the summer... And I, being that I'm the rub of a big town and I have a lot of responsibilities and I have to be available to answer the halachic questions, even during the hot summer months, I have to keep my heavy frock coat on. And for that, I deserve a high salary. That was his uh, very, uh, very witty answer. So today, Yehudi Geber with uh, Jewish History Soundbites podcast. We'll talk a little bit about rabbis going to resort towns and taking off their frock coats and relaxing a little bit. And what type of places did they go to, and what went on there, and how did they relax a little bit? And that would be um, a very interesting uh, view into the another side of the rabbinic pre-war world. Um, some of these. Some of these uh, resorts were famous. There was the place Krenitz, where the Briskerov went. Rebitz HaKazev, Reb Velvela Soloveitchik, Chaim Brisker's son, was famous. He used to go to the uh, Krenitz. That was his favorite spot. He would go to other ones also. Um, he had bad asthma and other health issues. And he actually had to be away from Brisk for a large chunk of the year. And uh, he spent it in these... Um, in these resorts, mainly credits in southern Poland. And it, it's interesting that the vision that we have of many of the pre-war rabbis is, is specifically of these resorts because that's when uh, their pictures were taken. Um, there was all kinds of uh, paparazzi taking pictures of the big rabbis. There's pictures of the Kedush HaSiena of, of the previous Belzer Rabbi Bissach The Ger Rabbi, the there's quite a few famous pictures of him in these resorts. Or Menachem Zemba, or Mayor Shapiro... And many, many, many others. Um, that seems to be a place where they were able to catch them, um, take you know, get them on 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 camera. Many of the great rabbis would go west to the to go to special um, therapeutic mineral baths in Karlsbad in Marienbad, which were in Czechoslovakia, Austria, Germany, and they would leave Eastern Europe to go further away to these special mineral sulfur or other kinds of mineral baths. And interestingly enough, Rabbi Rucham it's the Mashgich, the Mir, who would go um, um, occasionally to these baths, he described it more than once in his Muster Shmuz and Te Yeshiva, but what went on there, and he actually uses it as a lesson how to utilize time. He says people know that they're the, by these mineral baths for a limited amount of time, and they're very healing. So they don't waste their time with the hotel or unpacking their suitcases. They run straight to the baths. And he said, that's a lesson that we should learn. We don't get to spend our entire lives in yeshiva. So the time that we do have to spend in the yeshiva, we should utilize that time and not waste it with anything else. So he was able to actually glean an educational lesson from the mineral baths. And uh, there were definitely many who chose to go in that direction as well. In fact, the... Third Knessia Gadoilo of Aguris Yisrael, before the war, the last pre-war one was in Marienbad, was in a resort town, um, interestingly. So what was ve- more often than not, what these these vacation resorts were called were called a dacha. And dacha, which until today, the in more Yeshivish circles, they sometimes refer to the vacations, especially where the rabbis are going as a dacha. And it's not a Jewish word, it's a Russian word. And uh, a dacha is just uh, some something along the—I don't know Russian—but something along the lines of vacation resort, uh, bungalow, something like that, where you can go and relax and have a vacation. And it was just used in Russian, and it somehow made it into uh, into the Yiddish-speaking uh, Jewish uh, circles as a place that they would go. It's very often in the forests, very often in the cooler air, and the mountainous air, very similar to what people do today when they leave the New York City and go to the Catskills. That was exactly the idea of leaving the city, leaving the regular, leaving the towns, especially the big cities, and going outside to better, more nicer environment for the summer in um, a more relaxed atmosphere. Um, and on that same topic of where, how Rabbi Rucham would enjoy his relaxing atmosphere... In the by the mineral baths and the other daches that he would go to. So along the same lines, another kelm slash mirror of Hatzke Levenstein was actually a much more intense personality and he believed that the whole idea of going to relax is against his Moser philosophy. And on one occasion, um, I was I heard this from someone who was actually there and witnessed this. Uh, someone finally convinced him in his old age, he was already living in Eretz Yisrael in the post-war era and he Someone convinced him to go to a vacation resort area, a dacha, to be able to relax a little bit. And when he got there, he saw a prominent Rosh Hashiva without his frock on lying in a hammock and learning from a sefer. And he said, wow, that's how you lie there on a hammock and, you, and you're and you sitting there without your frack on. This is not the atmosphere of a Bal musr. And he got all upset and he said in Yiddish, What's going on here? There's no God in this area that you can just act as you please. So that was a more extreme form. But definitely the overwhelming majority of the rabbis did go to these forests, did relax, did go to these areas where they can... Uh, in fact, the prominent one was next to Vilna, called Juzkinik, um, Juzkiniki, uh, Un- unclear how to, definitely unclear to me how to pronounce it, I never get good with the pronunciations of these funny towns but um, right outside Vilna Dr- Druskinik, along, something along those lines, Reb Chaim Eiser, who was the Av of the Vilna Bezdin, that was his favorite place to go on vacation he wasn't that far from home, he wouldn't go that far away usually, he was right outside Vilna, but it was a resort area in fact a close friend of mine uh, related to me recently that his grandfather grew up in Druskinik there's a a, a a Jewish community there year-round, and he grew up there, and the the people of the town would rent out their part of their homes to the visitors in the summer. It would be a way of making a living, which happens occasionally in the Catskills, in places where there are Jewish communities year-round, so it was a similar idea back then as well. And he remembered hosting Reb Chaim Ezer, either by him or his neighbor. I don't recall exactly. Um, the great Reb Chaim Ezer Grudzinski, uh, was he remember seeing him as a child. Um it didn't help him that much in his Yiddishkeit. He ended up being um the lox cutter at Zabars in the upper west side of Manhattan and um was not that uh, religious in his in his uh in the way he lived his life. But in any end that he 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 had those experiences from the resort town. Moving further south in Galicia, there was a resort town in the Carpathian Mountains that a in one of the capacities I do for Yad Vashem I interview survivors who are kind of a team. So one of my colleagues who interviewed a survivor recently told me that he interviewed a woman who grew up in a Hasidic home, also in this resort town. And she remembered the Kedusha scene of Babav. She remembered the Belzereba coming to their resort town. She even remembered one of them uh, holding her on their lap when she was eight years old, which is definitely not the common uh, thing for a Rebbe of that prestige to do. And she also remembered that she carried, in those days, very often in the small towns, people did not have ovens on on Shabbos, especially during the summer, and they would keep the cholent hot by leaving it by the baker's oven, which was very common uh, in many, many shtetls in Eastern Europe. And she would carry the cholent pot home and be able to serve whichever Rebbe was staying at their home, either the Baba Rebbe or the Belza Rebbe, and uh, when my colleague asked her, was there an Erev in the town, she said no. But, you know, they said she's under bar mitzvah and therefore it's okay for her to carry back the chalons. So that's also an interesting, Um I don't know, maybe it was whatever goes on in the vacation area stays there. I'm not sure, but that's what happened. That's what she testified in her testimony. Probably the most famous and interesting resort town was right outside Warsaw. Anything that had to do with Warsaw ultimately became famous. And I guess for the people who didn't want to travel that far into the forest, to the east, or to the west, to the mineral baths, right outside the big town, I guess you have a similar idea today in New York City, right at the edges of New York City or right outside the city you have resort areas like Bell Harbor or something like that. I'm not up to date with the latest uh, vacation spots, the Hamptons, I don't know. But in in any event, the 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 Otvotsk, which was right outside the city, was the resort area of Warsaw. And it became so popular that many of the great Rebbe's and Sadiqim settled down there. And it actually became a booming Jewish town from the 20th century and on until the war, when, of course, everyone was unfortunately wiped out in Treblinka. But it became a booming town because some of the Rebbe's settled down there for all year round. And then... A lot of the Hasidim would come from Warsaw for Shabbos and Yantif to be by the Rebbe, so it would be a big economic uh, um, um, asset for the town to have all this uh, influx of of Hasidim coming in to be by their Rebbe's. Some of the more notables who eventually settled in the town, one of the first ones was the Varka Rebbe, Rebbe, Rabsimcha Bunim Kalish. He was the son of the second Rebbe, Varka Menachem Mendel a big uh, kanoi, a fiery person who was a tremendous also lover of Eretz Yisrael. He moved to Eretz Yisrael twice. One time the Turkish kicked him out because he didn't have the requisite uh, documentation and, and, and necessary uh, means to, to settle down there. So he was forced to go back to Poland. And then after another 19 years in Poland, he said, that's it, I'm going to Eretz Yisrael again. And he said, I went with too much fanfare the first time because everyone... He had hundreds of Hasidim actually accompany him all the way down to Odessa, and there was way too much fanfare. He said, that caused an Ayan Hara. This time I'm going quietly. He went quietly and was able to settle down in Eretz Yisrael in Tveria, where he died shortly afterwards and is buried in the Chalkas Talmidei Balshemtiv, in the old Jewish cemetery in Tveria. But that Varka Rebbe was one of the first Rebbes. He died in 1908, so he's really one of the first Rebbes to settle in Atvatzka, even before the 19th century and he already brought the first chotzer, the first hasidic court to varka in the same uh, family of uh, polish hasidim the Amshinova rebbe Reb Sholom kalish who was one of the most uh, famous rebbes in poland before the war because he was a the, one of the warmest personalities i spoke recently to the son of a uh, of a close chassid an intimately close chassid with Kalash, the and in shalom kolish before the war, this chassid grew up in in ishbitz and he was not a of chassid and he was exposed to the amshinavir rebbe. And he says his warmth and his his personality were so magnetic that he couldn't leave it and atvats became his home. He couldn't stop going to the rebbe and uh, a tremendous oyv yisrael he. He took a personal responsibility, not only for his own Hasidim, but for anyone who he came into contact with. A very warm and loving person. And, uh, and very interestingly enough, um, the another Rebbe who was there in Otvotsk, and we'll get back to Amshinov in a second, was the Majhetsu Rebbe. The Majhetsu Rebbe left Warsaw and moved to Otvotsk. And uh, none of them became known as the Otvotsk rebbe's except for that first uh, Varka Rebbe, which I mentioned earlier, of Varka actually came to be known as the Otvatska Rebbe. And um, the Majetz Rebbe, Rabbi Yedidya Taub, who was famous for his Nigunim, he ultimately composed about 2,000 Nigunim, simply unheard of. Majits was known as, at their Holavayda, and Hasidus was through Nigun, and he settled in Otvotz as well. And he, along with the Amshon of a Rebbe, alone amongst all the Rebbes of Poland, were the only ones to escape in the beginning of the war to Vilna, uh, the Majhetsu Rebbe was able to get from Vilna through uh, Russia to the United States, already at the beginning of the war, where he rebuilt the Majhetsu court. And the Amshinova Rebbe was able to get a visa, a Sugihara visa, the famous Sugihara, Sugi the Japanese consul in Kovna who gave it the visas. The Amshonov Rebbe was able to get one of those visas and make it to Shanghai, where he was there together with all the other Polish refugees and uh German and Austrian refugees, Jewish refugees, the large Jewish community of Shanghai, along with the Mir yeshiva that was there. He took responsibility not only for Hasidim who were there, but also the two small Hasidish yeshivas that ended up in Shanghai, the small branch of Yeshivas Chach Melublin, the small branch of Yeshivas Chach Melublin, of Chabad. He was very involved with that. The, he was close with Chabad, because the, the previous uh, Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, the Rayats lived in atvatsk as well, and they were close. And he also took responsibility for the refugees. He, he tried to bring more Yiddishkeit to the Polish refugees, to the German refugees. He published pamphlets in Halacha, in Chizuk, in, in Divrei Hisairis, and words of inspiration to the various different communities of refugees in all different languages. He really, really took an initiative in the refugee community, the wider refugee community in Shanghai. Um, also a bit of an untold story about the great... Rebbe. So those two Rebbes, the Amshinov and the Majestor, are both in Otvotsk, and they're the only two Rebbes that attempt to escape to Vilna at the beginning of the war, um, um, which is also an interesting story. The, like I said, the Friedrich Rebbe of Chabar, the Rayats, moves from Warsaw to Otvotsk, where he sets up his Chatzar, it becomes the center of the world uh, Chabar movement in the last years before the war, um, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Shumay Aronson who was a Sachat Shavra Chassid who was a Rav in Sanak but he also lived in Warsaw for a period of time and has barely survived the war an amazing story in itself perhaps for another time he writes a letter to the Raiyats after the war how he recalls and that even though he was a Sachat Shavra Chassid he recalls going to the Fabrengans in Otvotsk by the Friedrich Rebbe the electrified atmosphere that was in Otvotsk in in Chabad and if you think that it was only Chassidish Rebbe's was also the Koshnitzer Rebbe and the Parasav Rebbe, other Rebbes who were there, but it wasn't only Chesidish Rebbes who were in Atvatk. Uh, the great Rebbe Chaim Brisker spent the last months of his life in Atvatk as a resort. He had been exiled from Brisk at the beginning of World War I and ended up in Minsk where he spent most of World War I. His health was failing. He came to Warsaw to seek medical treatment and he was recovering in Otvatsk because of its resort area qualities where he passed away. And because he passed away in Otwotsk, which was right next to Warsaw, that's ultimately why they brought him back to Warsaw to be buried, because his wife's grandfather, the Nitziv, was buried in Warsaw. So they decided to bury him in the same oihel as the Nitziv, But he ended up dying in Otwotsk. Um, and perhaps the most interesting Otwotsk story is about someone who never lived there, but was in charge of a yeshiva-type institution there. Very interesting story, which I only found out in recent years. Um Avram Kalmanovich, who was one of the Daily Slabatka, one of the great Talmidim of the other Slabatka, a, a fiery personality, a charismatic, a fantastic speaker, a tremendous Talmud Chacha, a visionary, a doer, uh, someone who definitely is a story in itself, a series of stories in itself. He was someone who, who led an amazingly interesting life. And he was the... President of the Mir Yeshiva between the wars, he was first the Rav of Rakov and later of Tiktin. and he um, helped Reb Yudel Finkel fundraise for the Mir Yeshiva at his uh, behest, at his request, and he used to make fundraising trips. And one of the things he got in return, um, Reb Yudel promised him a position in the yeshiva. Reb Roman he wanted to teach. He wanted to teach Torah to talmidim. And he was not unable to give him a position in the yeshiva itself. And Rablazi Yudel had a koil set up for Mir alumni in Atvask, which is somewhat unknown. Uh, it's more known that he had another branch in Ludge um, of Mir alumni. But here was a branch in Otvatsk, some, some sort of Mir koil, which Rablazi Yudel Finkel was in charge of funding. So, Rablazi Yudel had a fundraise for that as well. And Otvatsk was not that far from Tiktin. Where Rav Kamenovich was the Rav, so Rav Kamenovich, his position was to give shiurim as often as he could. It was a few times a month. He would give shiurim in the Atvatsk Mir Alumni Kail, and he would come down there. He later said that it was the most enjoyable period of his life because that he got to give active shiurim to yeshiva guys in an active yeshiva, and that was very uh, nice for him, and he really enjoyed that. So that is a really uh, nice angle which doesn't have much to do with the fact that it was a resort town, but it took place in Otvotsk as well, so there's a lot going on in this uh, resort town besides for being just a vacation area. So that's a little bit about resorts, a little bit about vacations of the great rabbis of that time. Um, this was Yehudi Geber on Jewish History Soundbites. Um, you can reach me at gmail.com for questions, comments, sources, and of course to tour these places. I go with groups to Atvat all the time. We see, we point out, we pass by credits, We come to these amazing places and we tell the stories of these amazing people. And, uh, and uh, you're welcome to come and join along. We have also a WhatsApp group um, of Jewish History Soundbites. You can contact me and you can become a part of that. You can follow um, uh, Jewish History Soundbites on SoundCloud, on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Don't miss an episode of the podcasts. You can share with your friends and family. You can also follow Jewish History Soundbites on Twitter. And I hope you enjoyed.